I was, I was listening to, to Lyndon saying this about evangelism. And as I was thinking I'd been dealing with a bit of stuff, you know, it's amazing how we're not perfect. Have you ever come across that? And I'm not perfect. And uh, I was thinking, Lord, it'd be good. Now, if, if this person was there to hear the sermon and if that person was here to... <sighs> terrible thing that, that pastors sometimes think and the Lord said to me this he said the people who are here are the people that I want to speak to that's you it's very very important and then the Lord showed me clearly when he gives us evangelism to share the gospel that he brings people to us. Do you understand that? Because when you're talking to somebody who doesn't want to hear, they get bristly. Ever come across that? They can get quite difficult. But when you've got somebody who wants to hear, they're all ears. And I believe the Holy Spirit prepares people. And at the moment we are praying as a church that God will prepare people so that when you find somebody and they're interested, you know that God has prepared them for you. Now for those people who came up, I want to give this word of encouragement. You came up in obedience to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is going to bring people to you that you can share some of God's love. Don't be in a hurry. It may be one word that turns the direction of their lives. But it could be important. But that's not what the sermon is about today. <laughs> right. It's stronger relationships with the Trinity, with God. And... Uh, Dre's given me a list of things to do, you see, before he went on holiday, and he gave me a list of things to do. And one of the things was, um, how do we relate? Who do we relate to best? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? Do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to God the Father? I'm all confused. Anybody ever feel like that? <laughs> and so I want to address that before I go anywhere else. How come we've got the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? How come the Father, the Son... In Jesus, the Holy Spirit. What's the difference? Why isn't there just one God? And I think that's a really important question. In the Old Testament, God is seen as loving, but he's seen as separate. And I've got a list here that might be of interest to you. There's one word, Elohim, that's creator God. El Roy, the God who sees me. El Shaddai, the God Almighty. Yahweh Rophe, the Lord who heals. Yahweh Yirach, the Lord will provide. Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Yahweh Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is my peace. God is out there. He surrounds us. He is the pattern for all human life. 
And these things are things that are very important. But then comes Jesus, and he is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus comes from God. He shows us a new way to live. You read the gospel, and the gospel shows us the change of attitudes required to make our lives right. Things that we need to respond to. He is afar. He is close to us. He's not afar off. And He dies. And He rises to forgive us. It is something that God is doing for us. That's so important to understand. And then we have the Holy Spirit. God in us. Jesus said we must be born of water and the Holy Spirit. That's John chapter 3 verse 5. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot have God rule your life. But it's all God. All the same. God has found a way for us. And it doesn't matter who we talk to. Father, Jesus, Spirit. God is united. The Bible says God is one. And so if I don't know who to talk to and I say, oh, Father, or oh, Jesus, it doesn't matter. He knows your heart. So when you start talking to God, God is listening. When you actually try and you cry out and you don't know what to say, God hears your heart before he hears your mind. So it doesn't matter. I'll tell you what it's like. Yesterday when I was just putting the, the polishing notes on the sermon, my dog heard the noise and he jumps up on the veranda and he looks in the window at me. And as he looks at the window at me, he wants to come in and he wants to be with me. But for me to understand God completely would be like trying to get my dog to read my sermon notes. <laughs> right? That's the gap. I always think it's wonderful in our English language that we've got God, who spelt G-O-D, who we are to obey and follow. And we've got dog, spelt D-O-G, the other way around. And if you've got a good dog, we, our dog is like a shadow. He follows me everywhere. Right? You understand? And there's a thing about it. It doesn't really matter if you don't get it completely right so long as your heart is right and you trust God. So that's the bit that I've done because I was told to. And uh, God is total unity, so that's fine. But the next part is this. What is the role of God in each of our lives? And there's a verse that says in Genesis 1, 26 and 7, in the image of God we are made. And if I am going to believe that, I have to believe something. I've got to believe that if God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, there's a trinity in me and there's a trinity in you. And how we understand and how that trinity in us lives is actually going to affect the whole way that our lives work. God created us in his own image. In his own image, he created us, male and female. But we are damaged by selfishness and sin. Now, 
Let me explain something to you. My daughter's a senior psychologist in the health, mental health. And so she's dealing with people who are seriously, got serious problems, difficulties. And one of the things they discover is this, that if you were abused or if you had um, a real rough time in your childhood, or if your parents were alcoholics or drug addicts, there's a, a big list of things. And in that big list of things, in the first thousand days of your life, three years, and after that, then the, the next lot, the next lot up until you're seven, you're, you're, you're absorbing stuff like a sponge. In fact, they almost say that a child is like a child is under hypnosis for that first part of their life. And they absorb everything. And that stuff that they learn there, good and bad, shapes their lives, shapes our lives. And when we get to the stage of being adults, it is so hard to change. It's almost impossible to change. You know, my daughter, she, she does, keeps up her reading all the time. And she's, she's learning all the time. And she's learning new research. And she was saying there's a thing called the Zewila. Um, research and it said this not only do these people get screwed up and go to prison they are sicker than the rest of us physically they have trouble having marriages the trouble is this people that all of us have got a little bit of this disease we're not fully in the image of God our father because of our sin because of the sin of others because of bad stuff that happens to us. And it seems to be impossible. But there's a great lesson from it. And that great lesson goes like this. That God has a plan. We get a second chance at life through Christ. The stuff which normally is very hard to change, is now possible to change because in the words of the Bible, we actually are born again. Not the experience we're talking about, but the opportunity to relearn in our inner subconscious heart the way of God. And this is the reason why so many Christians are part-fixed, right? And that, this, this is all of us. I'm still get, God's still fixing me. And uh, I guess that I need somebody who's been through this in a, in a, a really tough way. So I wouldn't mind if I had a, a volunteer. Could he come up, please? It's you. How are you going, Dre? Have a good holiday. <laughs> Hello. Sorry, I've been on annual leave for a week and I forgot to. I learned. Sorry, I forgot to. How to operate? I can't even use my words. I can't operate a microphone. <laughs> Dre, uh, yes. here's a question for you. Yes, ask me away. Dre, you and I were talking about this the other day. We were. And. Uh, 
might have said on this? You can when you want to. I might, you can stay up there for a while. Um, you've got a friend who's a psychologist, a clinical psychologist. Yes. Yep. And uh, did she give you a diagnosis? She did, yes. <laughs> so uh, about five or so years ago, we had a friend of ours who uh, was training. She was in the end of her thesis and she, I, I was talking to her. She was staying with us for a few days, and uh, she, I asked her what her thesis was about, which was never a good thing unless you've got nothing to do for 45 minutes. But um, it was basically on uh, the pediatric markers for adolescent youth um, that uh, have non, I can't remember what it is, but like uh, non-social behaviors. Essentially, she's come up with a list in New Zealand context of 10 things that if you are uh, a certain amount of these 10 things that you will end up um, socially disruptive, you'll be in prison, uh, you will be on medication, you will do this, 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 and this. Um, so, yeah, we, we had a conversation about that. And so I asked her, haha, uh, what were the 10 things? And we went through the list. And uh, we got to the end, and I said, eight and she said, sorry? And I said, eight of the ten things um, I've been through. So some of them were, um, you know, marriage breakup, sexual abuse, family of physical abuse, uh, addictions, um, all those sorts of things. Um, I can't remember any of the rest off the top of my head. Uh, male, uh, not the eldest child, all those things. And so she went through the list, and, uh, and I said, eight. And she went, hmm, Okay. And, uh, and then she asked me some questions about my life now and about my mental health and other things. And she said, I'm glad I didn't have you in my study because you you'd make my data look wrong. <laughs> and I said, well, here's the thing. She was a Christian. And I said, you know, and she said, like, all of these cases, she gave me all the evidence. She read out all the articles. She said, this is what it looks like. And I said, That's, that, that may be true. Um, but you f- um, my life, uh, though I'm very much not perfect, uh, that I'm in a stable marriage relationship, not on medication, um, haven't been in prison, uh, all those things. It's because I met Jesus at 17, and Jesus is the life changer. Jesus is the game changer. My daughter said this. She said, if someone doesn't want to change at mental health, we have to take them off the books because there is no way that they can be helped. One. Two. The ones who do best are the ones who join a church. Right? Now, uh, uh, this is, do you understand how powerful this is? The ones who do best are the ones who join a church. It's not that the church has got some fancy trick. It's that those people, for the first time in their lives, are loved. How true is that? Yeah, absolutely. It all started with love in my, in my books, being loved by people, learning that Jesus loved me. And that is because when Jesus died for me, and I realized that, and I said, I want to follow Jesus, Jesus began to change the things in me that needed changing, including loving other people because God began to heal the selfishness of my heart and began to change me. 
That's exactly your testimony. You can stay there for a while. I might get you to answer, ask, ask you some other questions. But we have to decide to follow him. You remember earlier in the sermon I talked about two things? That you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. So we need to unpack that. Larry Christensen uh, 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 wrote some very, very good books about uh, Christianity. And he, in one book, said this. Holiness is a cooperative venture between us and God. And he's right. Because, you see, the first thing we have to do in order for the power of God to be released in us is to actually change my heart. I've got to change my heart. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I've got to make a decision to change. And if there's something, if I go blaming other people, I'm actually shielding myself from ever changing, and I'm stopping the Holy Spirit from working in my life. This is critically important for us to understand. This is called repentance. It's a change in the way we think. We've got to change the way we think. And, and right through life, I've had to learn to change the way I think about all sorts of little things. Big things, little things. And each time I have come to that place, God has actually worked in my life and taken me another step. And I am hopefully more like Jesus now than I was because of the love of God. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is the pattern for life that imitates God, and the Gospels demonstrate the worldview that we're called to have. So, in other words, you read the Beatitudes, you know, those Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the merciful, God will have mercy on them. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are those who know their need of God, they will find him. <laughs> and, and, and all of that stuff. But it is because of the death of Jesus that this happened. You see, I cannot be like God when I have done so much bad stuff. I need to have that relationship healed. And the bad stuff I have done has got to be paid for. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died there for me to forgive my sins. He died there for you to forgive your sins. It's the center because it is the door that opens us to a new life. And so Jesus does his work. He has done his work on the cross. And he rose again to ascend and plead everyone's case in heaven for us. But Jesus, on his own, walks beside us. We need to have God in us. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit brings God's presence to us. The older I have got, the more I realize that this is the most important thing the Holy Spirit does. To bring God's presence. You know, those of us who were around when the 
charismatic or the Pentecostal renewal swept through the church. We were all talking in tongues and we were all doing this and we were all, you know, and we were on fire. But I've learned something, that the very presence of the Holy Spirit means that when I need to speak in tongues, when I need to pray for healing, when I need to do something, God will give me the power. And when I don't need to, he's still there. And that's the most important thing. Do you know the most important thing in my life is the presence of God? Amen? Amen, yep. You want to add to that? No, I, I would agree. I was just thinking about how as I've matured in my faith and realized that the Holy Spirit is in me, that like I, I, can do a, I did a prophetic word for a guy on the plane in a jungle in Papua New Guinea uh, just because he said, uh, your preacher. And he says, can you give me a word of God? And it just started coming out because I just sort of went, oh, Holy Spirit, you're going to need, thanks, can you take over right now? And uh, he started giving them this word and he started crying and then got angry because he was crying and then I got a little scared, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's something, that actually is something wonderful about the Holy Spirit. You never know quite what's going to happen. It's our second chance to imitate Jesus. Because what happens is this, when God brings the Holy Spirit to our lives, the Holy Spirit begins to work a work and says, right, this part of your life, Warren Hodge, needs to change. Now this part needs to grow. And this person over there needs to be loved and helped. Go and give them a hand. And, and, And this thing here, you need to pray for this person. And suddenly I begin to find that the way I live is different because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I think this is, this is quite critical because, you see, it's all available to any of us. All of the gifts of the Spirit, all of the, the fruits of the Spirit are yours the close, as you walk with God. God will give you a gift of healing if there's somebody there and He tells you that you've got to pray for them. You'll know... You'll know, I've had to battle the devil while driving a motor car to go to pray for somebody. And I was young. <laughs> I, was, I was not, wasn't even 30 years old. And I was literally shaking. I got out of the car and I prayed and the people were healed. You'll know. Because God is able to do that. Through the Spirit, we share God's heart for the world. When the Spirit is in me, I begin to have God's love. And that love becomes a burden. Is that right? Absolutely. (laughs) That love does become a burden. You find yourself um, not willing to let things go because you love somebody. And you've got to chase after them. Yeah. Yeah. It's painful, isn't it? It can be painful. It can be very painful. And you see... What happens is this, is that God lets us in to what he is doing. Sometimes we try and do stuff ourselves. It's the wrong way round. The right way round is to to let our hearts be filled with God. And then God begins to put us in a place where we can minister. And that ministry that we do may just be one word or one sentence. And it may be praying and seeing somebody come to Christ. It's God doing it. And the more I see it, the more I realize it's nothing to do with my power. All I have to do 
is to be obedient and open to what God is doing. You've had experiences like that, haven't you? Absolutely. Yep. I uh, I remember uh, in a um, uh, church meeting years ago, God just saying, go talk to that girl, go talk to that girl, go talk to that girl. I had no idea what it was going to be about. And uh, I went up and I just chatted to her and it was it was it was a funny thing because I, I I nothing happened. I just went and talked to her and connected with her, and uh, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, "Great, thanks. Go sit down." It's like, awesome, okay. Um, and I later later found out that this this girl was in a real real tough spot, and she just needed someone to encourage her and and, and talk to her during that time and tell her that God loved her. And that's all I did. Yep. Very simple little thing, but I'd heard through someone else that uh, she always remembered that. I was like, Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. Sometimes we just need to listen and act. Yeah, that's, that's so true because I've had words of prophecy for people and five years later they come up, remember that word that you had for me? And, no. <laughs> but they remembered it because it was God. I was just the person, you know. And, and so wrapping this up, there are three takeaways. There's grace through Jesus. In other words, it doesn't matter the fact that you are unworthy. Jesus is worthy and he died for you. In fact, the, uh, the music group can come up. Jesus died for you. It's grace. That's one simple thing through Jesus. This is the power of the gospel. Thank you, Hannah. And the one, the next one is love from the Father, which is the basis for all good things. The more we love, the more we imitate God our Father. The more we imitate God our Father, the more people see the power of God in our lives. The more people will be drawn to Jesus. There are no shortcuts in the Gospel. And so... When God brings us love and commands us, and Jesus commanded us to love, He was commanding us to be like God the Father. And the last one is partnership or fellowship. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God. So it is not that I am powerful. It is that God is powerful and I'm in partnership with Him. So it means that it doesn't matter that I'm not very good at stuff. For when I am listening to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is saying to me, go say hello to that person. And I do. Just like Dre just told you. He thought nothing of it. But the person he spoke to was absolutely critically important. And this is the power of the Trinity. It's an incredible power. You stop and think about it. It's got everything that we need in our Christian faith. Now, I I want to tell you quite honestly, I've struggled with this sermon. Do you know why I struggle with it? Because there's so much to say. And I wanted to make it simple. And it was very, very difficult to prepare for that reason. I wanted to make it easy for us to grab hold of. My mother always said, Christianity is so simple that a child can embrace it. 
And it is so complex and powerful that the cleverest, cleverest of us will never completely understand it. But we can receive it. We can receive the grace of Jesus. We can live the love which the Holy Spirit can bring that makes us like God. And we can have a partnership of power that can change the world. You know, one verse says it all. It goes like this. I bet you've heard it before. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I hope those words will never, ever be the same for you again. Thank you.